This week on The Reverse Stick, we cross over to the dark side when code-hopping sports administrator Ryan Lennigan joins us with some views on hockey that, well, make us feel a little bit warm inside. Greetings once again, this is the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name is John Lee, sitting opposite me is Mr. Matt Allen. Welcome. Welcome, welcome folks to episode 172 of the Glow Ho Po. That's whack. Glo- global hockey podcast uh, for those that whack. are maybe here for the first time joining us. Welcome if you are, and of course, welcome to our long-term, long-time listeners, <laughs> long John. We, don't, we, don't have a, we still haven't got the... The phrase, have we? Right. For what? What do we call our listeners? You mean like Trekkies for Star Trek? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Reverse stickers is just a bit and too stickers much. Stickers is not good, is it? No, it's not good. Um, Whackers. <laughs> yeah, going along with the give it a give it a whack thing. More yeah. to come on. Give it a whack later up in the in the show. We've got the uh, exclusive. Can we call them glow hose? Hang on, I'm just doing a promo. Just yeah. hose? Just no, not, <laughs> definitely not the hose. Maybe the pose. Pose. Um, yeah, promotion coming up later on. We've got the latest in a very exclusive, limited range of TRS T-shirts. The Christmas special is out, featuring oh, is Give It A Whack, but we'll we'll tell you more about that coming up in the show. Uh, we've got talk on the what's going on around the world of hockey at the moment. Some of you are playing, some of you aren't. Some of you may just about to be, and uh, we'll basically be plugging ways on how we can try and get some money out of you to continue doing this. And we have a feature interview. We do. Really looking forward to bringing you this chat with Ryan. Um, somebody we had a, a fair bit to do, but I certainly did do in his time working for Hockey Western Australia uh, in a member services and participation role there. Uh, and I think there's some real value to, to come out of this conversation for, yeah, it was a good if, chat. yeah, if you're, if you're involved, uh, at club level in trying to get things done, if you're involved in state or national associations, there's, there's a really good insight from somebody who's come from outside the game and is now no longer in the game, but still listens to the podcast. Well, it must yeah, be, but it, must be bloody um, crazy. I mean, that's, you know, not a good qualifier, is it? It's probably a different point of view than what we normally have on, because most of the people, when we talk to them, oh, I got into the game when I was six because my mum, whatever, that, uh, there's a lot of that goes on. Yeah. And it's just interesting to hear his views. Anyway, um, we better get to this. News. What you got? Uh, that's news. Um, well, nothing's really been happening, has it? Well, there's been a few games happening around and about in Bangladesh recently. We've had the... Uh, the President Cup Hockey Tournament in celebration of the 100th birth anniversary of Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujibar uh, Rahman. And the Bangladesh Hockey Federation uh, organised the tournament. Um, first hockey tournament in Bangladesh since the pandemic began. Five teams playing there, John. Bangladesh Army, Bangladesh Air Force, Bangladesh Police, <laughs> BHF Green and BHF. That's the Bangladesh Hockey Federation. Uh-huh. Green and Red teams. Uh, the final coming up on Saturday of this weekend, the 29th of November. Good to oh, see that. services rivalry will be hot there, I would imagine. No doubt. There's uh, the... Maybe we didn't get in on last week's show. No, I didn't finish to the, the 24th, I don't think. In Japan, the Takamado Tiles 2020 Hockey Japan League girls competition took place at the Oi Hockey Stadium in Tokyo. The final match there played between Coca-Cola Red Sparks... <laughs> And Sony HC Bravia, uh, Bravia Ladies, uh, Coca-Cola Red Sparks taking the win 2-1. Uh, 
uh, also involved there, John. We've got the Heath Smith Klein Orange United, uh, Yamanashi Gakuin Crowning Glories, and Nanto Shooting Stars, Ritsumaiken Holly, and Tokai Gakuin University, and Tenri University Bears. So university sides there, but some big name sponsors. Yeah, uh, why can't we get them involved with the FIH at the top level of the sport? I, I get what the model is. I, I'm not sure I agree the with The Coca-Cola Pro League. Well, that's, that's different than having a sponsored name club in the sense that that sponsorship's not going to last forever, one would assume. No, I would think this would be funding in line with universities and programs yeah, there because so, a lot of big business yeah. do get involved in the university oh, sector. Maybe there's more to it than what we realise. But uh, Nice to see it's big names I associated with hockey. A default position, I like to see the club can be sponsored by whatever, but the idea that the club name be, a sponsor be part of the club's name, I don't think that that's a good idea. That's another conversation. Uh, continuing on, there's the... Saturday this weekend in Macau, one of your favourite hockey destinations. Oh, it is. Because of, you know, the finest son of Macau hockey. Um, <laughs> they're hosting their 45th anniversary cup. Nine local teams participating there. Uh, the format for the tournament will be as such, John. Half pitch, seven aside, no halftime break for 15 minutes. No halftime break for 15 minutes in the preliminary round. So there must be a 15 minute halftime break in the finals. That's a good half-time. <laughs> Final. You, you could probably get a couple oh, no, of right, no, no, so, right, no, so it's just a 15-minute game they're playing. No oh. half-time break for 15 minutes. So they're playing a 15-minute game. Uh, final 20 minutes, 10 minutes each half with a five-minute in- intermission. After, after the preliminary round, three groups will be decided to compete in the cup, the plate, and the bowl trophies. There's only nine teams. Three trophies up for grabs. That's pretty good. Bloody hell. You wouldn't want to finish second in any of them, would you? No, not really. <laughs> I'm going to take a bit of silverware home. Anyway, that's good to see. Everyone's welcome if you're in the region. I wonder who's there to hand out the trophies. Oh, I don't know. There'll be some luminaries, no doubt. Uh, no fives, mate. No five sevens. Yes, uh, interesting. In Macau as yeah, well. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Macau, Macau. I just, I always struggle, struggle with that. Uh, oh, there's Maggie yeah, the yeah. podcast dog in the Security background. You might have just heard that. Security chucks were going past before, but maybe oh, maybe Maggie the pop- oh, podcast ask has uh, chased them off. There might be a cat out the front. Uh, I did see something about uh, the Wapta team winning in Pakistan that they received a nice big check in a, in a photograph. It's nice to see there's money in Pakistan hockey to be paid to. Or at least to, not big checks. Well, I, well, how about you save that money and you get somebody working in your media department because Asia hockey are doing all all the heavy lifting for you at the moment. Wouldn't you just love to walk into your local? Commonwealth Bank or HSBC branch or something like that with a cheque that's 10 feet long, 5 foot high. Just wander up to the desk and plonk it down. I'd like to deposit this, please. good So, yeah, it was, it was the Pakistan Water and Power Development Authority, WAPTA, that, uh, that won the final there six days ago on the 21st. Um, penalty shootout after a 1-1 draw, WAPTA. Two nil winners there. Uh, the event winners Wapta pocketed uh, RS three hundred thousand along with the glittering trophy. Second place runners up MVP with two hundred thousand and SSGC in third one hundred thousand. A cash reward of fifty thousand was given away to the player of the tournament tournament runner Wahid. That news. I think that's news. 
You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. We've got our um, feature interview um, coming up very, very shortly. It's Ryan. Uh, before we get there, Matt, I'm going to get my one and only thing that I've got written down. Sure. And then you can, it's all yours. You can just drive the train. <laughs> um, now, I, we did mention last week we talked about um, the New South Wales pride in the Hockey One League here, getting a new shirt sponsor. That's and right. We, we did when we and we talked about Canard's Hire and yeah. Canard South Storage and we any just other. Covered you know, you know. But um, there, there's some comments made after we talked about it, and we'll get to them in a minute. But one of the things we mentioned was, "Oh, what is going on with Hockey One?" So I did find out. I found there's a the last bit of news about Hockey One I could find, apart from shirt sponsors, was on March 25th this year, uh, declaring that they were going to uh, postpone the league until 2021. Yeah, which no, I think, so I think, won't. well, I think we probably did cover that back. back we probably back did, in March. but I've, I've forgotten <laughs> no, we about did, it. No, we did, we did, yeah. Yeah. So, but they're, they're working, blo- they're working bloody hard to keep the, keep their accounts relevant. They're, they're finding anything they can but to I pump out there. I think that was there. a fair thing to do at the time. I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, uh, to yeah. Have, uh, we, to have gone, look, we, let's get rid of it. And There's I believe, yeah, I believe we, we applauded that and said that's the uh, right decision good. to make. And it makes me wonder about, a bit about the struggles that nations are putting them through now to try and complete um, a pro league and maybe they would have been better off all along just to have canned the whole thing and just go right we'll go from next year we'll, this year's gone well, look instead at the, of trying to stretch it out and make it this and make it that and it's, look at the situation in, in England now. at the moment where you've got this three tier system that's happening that some people could be back on could be back on the field playing league hockey 3rd of December or, or earlier now is it right for those teams, some teams to have the advantage of playing and others not? And is it right to expect them to be match fit to get out there with, right, you're now playing in two weeks' time? Is it realistic? Or should they be going, look, we're going to can everything up until Christmas uh, and we'll take another look at it in two, three months' time? Well, that certainly takes a lot of... Or plan for, yeah. plan for what's happening in two or three months' time. I, you know, I do feel for the administrators yeah, over yeah, there yeah, because yeah. it's an absolute minefield. And it's been, it was a minefield here for administrators yeah. as well. Like, it's not easy for anybody. And it, you, you want people playing. We all want to be playing. Yeah. But it's turning into a... What I think you know, technically it's called a shit fight. Yeah. Or a lot of, and it's, it's not that it's ugly per se, but... It, just Even with training, there's haves and have-nots within the school yeah. system, and that's been fairly widely publicised in the in the, uh, the past week through the likes of the hockey paper and the, the hockey family podcast, and uh, it's been very well spoken about some of the, particularly in England, the issues they've got there between uh, equity between state schools and uh, and private schools. Well, the reality is, guys, there is no equity between private the private school system and uh, the state school system. So I don't know why you'd expect it now. It's, now the reason, another reason to talk about that particular tweet from last week, where the the prior, sorry, yeah, back to that one. Prior, they we are bouncing around the world yeah. of hockey, and we and we did mention the uh, the uniform and beige. You call it gold, I say it's beige. Um, the New South Wales approved to announce that Kennard Self Storage is their gold tier major partner for the next three years. Now we did that Friday, didn't we? We recorded that or Thursday? We recorded that Thursday. Thursday night. Oh, yeah. yeah, I must have woken up Friday and saw this particular tweet. Saturday, Saturday you Saturday, sent it to me. It? Yeah. Okay. It was uh, a tweet from George Baisley, who I follow on, on Twitter, uh, former Australian, as he uh, washed up, I think he says. Yeah, goalie, former Australian player. Um, did anyone at New South Wales Pride, 
Hockey New South Wales or Hockey Australia, do any due diligence on at Sam KSS. Now, at Sam KSS is a fellow by the name of Sam Kennard, who's the CEO. At, oh, the, uh, yeah. As, yeah, I see. As, as, as mentioned last week, right. being in the middle of the photo, yeah. pr- proudly holding a Kennard one shirt. Uh, so have any of those organisations, did anyone at New South Wales Pride, Hockey New South Wales or Hockey Australia, do any due diligence on Sam Kennard prior to signing this it's just, deal? It's just his Twitter handle. Oh, no. Spend five minutes on his Twitter or type his name into Google and remind me of how, this view, how his views align with the values of our sport. And he tagged in uh, board member Sandra Sully, uh, CEO Matt Favier of Hockey Australia and DC Tomo, I'm not sure who that is. That's the, off the top the of my head. Comics firm in Dundee in Scotland, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. But whoever it is, he tagged them in anyway. Someone will know. You could um, just click it and find out. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. I clicked it. David Thompson. David Thompson. Yep. Oh, there you go, David. Sorry about that. Um, now, now go the, back. Yeah, that's back. it. A little arrow in the top one? left. Okay, Interesting thoughts, Matt. Any comments or likes on that post? There was uh, no like. Five likes. Five likes, yeah. One, one comment from Reese Perry. Uh, gross with a green unsmiley face. Emoji, yeah. yeah. That's, not, that's not his profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's the comment. Now, this, is, this became really interesting for me because I thought, oh, Better go and check. Well, you know what I did as soon as you sent it to me? Straight on to Google. Straight on to Google. No, actually, I looked at his Twitter, his Twitter feed Twitter first, and I think the third or fourth one down on the list was a repost about uh, inequality uh, in U.S. college athletics with a female athlete, a story around a female athlete who was losing out to trans female athletes uh, for for spots on trials or yeah. something, something, and, something and that's been lines. an issue that's bubbling away in America for a little while now and elsewhere. But it, and I saw that tweet. There were a couple of them further down when you scroll down a little bit. And oh and I oh, yeah yeah no worries. I well I did a right. retweet on the reverse stick this week about and was, I can't even think who the post was going to check our feed out on Twitter at the reverse stick um, of here are the facts on. Uh, time trials and winning medals and the success of trans athletes when moving into um, yeah. into their into um, essentially from male sport into into female okay. sport. Now, along well, I, I logged back onto his uh, Twitter profile today uh-huh. because I wanted to you know reference it, and those tweets don't appear there anymore. So obviously some message has been given to someone somewhere along the lines. They they but all the other stuff's still there. Well, maybe he's received some great education now, um, from people within our sport. I'm not sure if that's if they're the only views that George is referring to when he asks whether these views align with the values of our sports. If you go to Sam's Twitter page, he's a CEO of a successful company. Um, there's a lot, uh, of, a lot stuff. of a lot of political stuff up There's on there. There's political stuff. There's uh, also stuff with a pro, with a pro business agenda. Well, uh, I think it's fair to say it's to the right of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. And there's other stuff in there that might seem somewhat out of kilter to what the mainstream media tells us is the norm for society but to be thinking about certain things and it would do with covid stuff and global warming and and there's a few things there. Um, so, he's, 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 anyway, he's quite, it's, he's quite it's an not, opinionated fellow, though, isn't he? He is. Um, yeah. 
And as it turns out, he's uh, what part of Advance Australia, a conservative lobby group that has been set up over here to, um, in some ways, uh, be in opposition to a, a left-wing lobby group that exists in Australia called which it, Get Up. Yeah, which is pr- pretty popular um, and successful. Yep. Yeah. Now, look, personally, uh, Advance Australia and Get Up, in my opinion, are the same wolf in different sheep. Different sheep's wool. Um, you know, <laughs> that, it's, that famous saying. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're both driven, you know, they're ideologically driven and these people sit in their positions of ideology and, and that's where they go and they're not going anywhere towards conciliation in any way, shape or form. That's the way I see it. Um, on, on a lot of subjects, it's just that. And, yeah, and black, black and white, very binary. White. Yeah. Yeah, so that, they're the views of, Sam Kennard, you can go and follow them more than yourself if you'd very well like. What I find interesting, <laughs> though, is that apart from that gender stuff that he put up, that um, while I might not agree with, I think there is a big debate that's still to be had about that. Um, does, do his other views in any way, shape or form, should they be taken into account by a sport, given that he's an individual... He might be the CEO of Kennards, but well, it's I'm a, pretty sure Kennards aren't retweeting the stories he necessarily no, they're, they're, they're a legitimate trading business. That's right. Well, we spoke before about it. The, what's happened over here with certain sports that have decided to maintain sponsorship or alliances with the likes of McDonald's and fast food brands, that they suddenly, if they're engaged in those deals, they can't get any local health department Funding. That's it. If you do a deal with McDonald's for this, then you can't, you're not entitled to grants for this or for that or healthy eating campaigns and, you know, you can get 500 bucks for equipment to be able to make fresh juice in your club rooms, all that sort of stuff. Automatically, you put yourself out of the, the, the picture for that. But maybe, no, not even maybe, you can get five times as much money out of that affiliation with McDonald's to support what you're doing as a local community organization than you can get from waiting for handout, handouts from government-funded organisations. Um, so there is a, a question of conscience, and, and there's you've got to look at what you represent as an organisation, and do you see McDonald's as the enemy to all things sporting in your organisation, or do you see it as, well, you know, a Big Mac once a month might be a nice little treat? Yeah, um you... Tobacco, tobacco sponsorship stopped a long time ago. Even alcohol sponsorship with places like the Wacker, that's disappeared now, hasn't it? There's, there's, not, there's no big beer brands that are being advertised at the Western Australian Cricket standards. Association ground anymore. Community standards have changed about a lot of things over the years. But I'm, I'm just interested, does this deal down, is this not just what something we, if we're going to set these levels and goal mm-hmm. and posts, is that... Uh, uh, then trickle down through the rest of the hockey family, i.e., are we now in a, in a position saying, well, because you don't agree with this political agenda, you've got to leave the sport? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you, what, would, do you care that the person you play your sport with is a climate change denier? Uh, well, we've had something quite similar over here when, this road out the back here, the, um, the, well, the, the, the row eight situation yeah. where the trees were cleared over natural bushland, 
to make way for a new road and then we had a new government came in and said no we're not building that road here and there have been lots of ca- campaigning for many years of which I did march a couple of times um, to yeah, stop it now, but- you, now you and I have, have a different opinion on that uh, yeah um, but we can agree to, we can agree to disagree on it and and have our individual whether it be political or environmental view of it we have yeah. opinions well yeah. you know what they say John Opinions are like arseholes, aren't they? Yep, absolutely. And, and, you're an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Oh, it's certainly something like that. But, it, um, I mean, so it, I just think it poses a lot of interesting questions that, that organisations in the future are, are going to have to think about a lot more because people will be more, um, not more emboldened, but they're more prepared to start saying no, this is we don't feel this is right. But at what point does someone saying I don't believe this, so I, I believe this, so you've got to as well? There's, yeah, a, t- yeah, there's yeah. a tinge of that about sometimes. Now, New South Wales Pride Hockey, New South Wales Hockey Australia may well have done their due diligence. You know, the questions being asked, or oh, did you do your due diligence? They may well have done and, and looked at certain elements and gone, well, okay, he, he may have this view, but he's he's offering us. 50 grand a year, 100 grand a year, or so we're happy to to wear a little bit of that. Um, Would you be prepared to accept um, sponsorship from Chevron or BP? I think this is a whole podcast you could do on. Would you? <laughs> Would you yeah, like uh, it's a. I just find it interesting whether or not it ultimately means anything, but obviously it it caused enough of a stir for Sam to take down certain posts that were up there. Yep. Um, whether you agree with him or not. So, so the issue we then have with that is, so we're not seeing your real feelings. Me? It, 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 no, not you necessarily. But if you're forced then to pull down those posts, you know, why did you put them up there in the first place? You've obviously agreed with it at some point. Has your mind been, like I said before, you know, hopefully there's been a, a wonderful education program that's been put in place, and he's seen the error of his ways. But who's to say that my opinion on whether they were um, unpalatable in nature? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No answers once again. It's feature interview time here on The Reverse Stick, and we're delighted this week to bring to you an interview with Mr. Ryan Lennigan, former General Manager of Participation and Member Services at Hockey WA. Alas, no more, um, but we want to find out about Ryan's history, um, his journey into hockey and um, and his exit and where he thinks the game lies from an internal position. Ryan, thanks for joining us, champ. First time, long time, gents. I'm absolutely chuffed to join you. Um, this is this has been a uh, one of those interviews that I've been looking forward to for for many weeks. And uh, are you a regular on the podcast circuit, Ryan? Well, uh, without without pumping your tyres up too much, uh, this is my first podcast interview, um, and uh, your podcast across the last two and a half years of me being in this sport has basically given me uh, all the knowledge I'd ever need. So um, I, I'm, I appreciate you both being uh, honest and upfront about the sport, globally and locally. Uh, it certainly set the stage for me coming into the sport. Um, now, does that mean you're blaming us for no longer being involved <laughs> in the sport? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that uh, I, it, I was at Hockey WA for two and a half years, two and a half uh, great years, um, Learned a lot. It was uh, certainly time for me to um, expand the, uh, the the career and, and move on. Um, but it always look back on me. And uh, 
uh, spent many many Saturday nights um, listening in and uh, and catching up on the hockey news from around the world. So uh, you both are doing fantastic work in that place. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate that. Now let's take it nice. back back to the start before you arrived here in WA with Hockey WA. You did have a another of a, a number of other roles in sport. So take us back to to where it started for you. Yeah, I did. So I, I am a Perth boy. I grew up in the hills of Perth, but um, left the university on the Gold Coast at uh, 17 and found myself um, firstly working as a journalist um, and quickly realised that uh, it was not the career that was uh, cracked up to be. And um, and probably looked back on, on my time growing up and, and what I loved about sport. I was the kid who had organised FIFA tournaments and, um, and, and set the fixtures for all my mates. Um, I would always lose, so it probably shows that uh, if you're not a, if you're not a good sports person, you get you go into the administration yeah. side of things. <laughs> what are you looking at me like? For, that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then for me, it was uh, university was very much spent um, organising uh, sports tournaments um, into campus events. Um, Realised that uh, that's where my true passion lay in sports administration. So headed back to uni and um, and studied sports management, and then. Spent the formative years of my career uh, working for both the university and then in um, university sport with the Australian University Games, where I probably got my first taste of hockey. Uh, hockey in Australia, as you, as you both well know, is, um, is uh, dominated by university teams at a, at a higher level, and they do enjoy playing, uh, playing off against each other. So I, I, I cut my teeth in the hockey world that way, and then I guess the official... The official start for me was about two and a half, three years ago now. Uh, received a call from the uh, the CEO of Hockey WA saying I was successful for the participation manager role, and I thought, right, I uh, I better do my uh, utmost to to learn the uh, ins and outs of this sport as quickly as possible. So, what were your perceptions of of hockey before? What did you what did you know about it as a as a sports fan here in Australia? I think like a lot of sports sports fans, uh, I, I came from it from two different angles. The first was that you clearly saw around times like the Olympics, you know, the, the Kookaburras and the Hockey Roos would, uh, would certainly dominate the headlines at that point. But it didn't seem like there was much traction um, in the traditional media outside of those uh, those key cycles. And then from the other end, the grassroots, I, I was the traditional um, Australian rules footballer switching into cricket from a winter-summer perspective. I had a number of mates who played hockey. And uh, they always uh, you know, uh, hit their chest, pump their chest about the fact that, that they were hockey players. It was important to them. And I think that that's something that stood out to me about the sport straight away. Hockey players feel very proud and so they should about playing uh, the sport and uh, I think that passion and enthusiasm is quite infectious. It, it flows through. It doesn't matter if it's a, uh, a you know a, a, a high performance um, national athlete through to uh, a, a 50 year old Masters player. Um, everybody's passionate about that sport that they play and I, I think that that's something that really holds the sport in my regard. It's, is that something that you, it's, you know, we, we often ask ourselves a question about things like the hockey family and we, we feel as though it's something special to our game. But do people have that pride in other sports? Have you witnessed that so much? Or you're saying this is something which is maybe a little bit unique with hockey? I think there is always a degree in sport of, um, of, of passion, of loyalty to that particular sport. But I think in hockey, it's, exacerbated by the fact that it's not getting as much traditional media coverage 
and the club system within hockey, particularly in Australia, but, but worldwide, is so strong. I think that um, when you have strong clubs with a first, a second, a third, fourth, etc., um, and where both mum and dad, the kids can play, um, everybody is involved and everybody's feeding back into that volunteering system because realistically, um, it's very it's very rare for someone to get paid a decent wage as an administrator or even as a player within the sport. Um, and I, I think that that feeds into that, that hockey family mentality. I think uh, the sport should be very proud of the fact that it has that. However, it has to be diligent to protect that moving forward. Um, it, it's a piece that not all sports have um, and can easily disappear if, uh, if the right decisions aren't made. So coming into your role here in, in WA as uh, in, in partic- participation and member services, tell us a bit about, about that role and, and what, what your day-to-day was. Yeah, so I, 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 when I got the role, um, again, I, I was very lucky to be one of those few people who can uh, who can earn a career, earn a wage in sport because um, it's uh, it, it's not it's not easy. Um, the administration side of sport and particularly hockey is better uh, is, is not funded. Um, coming into the role, it was a, it was a relatively new position. Um, hockey WA as the uh, as the state sporting organisation, so the recognised governing body across WA. Uh, was looking for um, someone to drive uh, department creation. And I'd just come from uh, the university sports setting, working across a number of sports, but predominantly setting up a, uh, a university sports department. So coming in, it was about us identifying the programs and opportunities that lied in growing sports. Um, for us, that, that firstly took the uh, took focus um, straight to schools. I think that schools have always been an integral part of hockey development, but for us it was about formalising that space. Putting in place programs outside of just the traditional 11v11 um, game and really supporting our clubs and regions. As you both know, WA is a massive place, so um, much much of my time has been spent, uh, spent in, our, in the regions only because WA is um, you know, half, half the players registered to Hockey WA come from the region, so it's important that we're spending time out there. Um, and then I was very lucky, the, the organisation, the CEO, the board, um, were seeing some wins in that space where the, the, the department expanded and grew and we could bring more people in to, um, to, to sell them, promote that message. And, um, yeah, I, I think when I left, I was, I was particularly quite proud of the... Um, the new programs that we instituted, I think there's nothing better than seeing someone new who doesn't have that family history or tradition of hockey come into the sport and absolutely love it. Yeah, well, one of, one of the issues we have had in the past with, well, let's say, maybe some of the CEOs at Hockey Australia is that it's just been a bit of a stepping stone for them to get, basically to get back to AFL <laughs> again at some point. Uh, what, what, what were some of the... And, and I'll just say, Ryan, I thought you did an absolutely fantastic job in a role. I was, I was really sad to see you, see you leave because I thought there was a, a, such an improvement in professionalism with the way that we went about it as a sport. Um, but obviously there are challenges as well in, in getting what you want and achieving your vision. What, what were some of the, the stumbling blocks that you came across in the role in, in looking to grow the sport? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I'd say for me, uh, the, the main one, uh, in some respects, was a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, I, I touched on the fact that, that the club system is so strong in WA, and that's a fantastic thing. Um, it is the reason why the sport will have the opportunity to grow. However, a really strong club system means that sometimes those people involved in clubs 
um, a, a little reticent to uh, to change from that 11 v 11 model and look at different promotional methods or different competition structures. So I think for me that that was a, a big challenge to come to grips with to start with is that the passion of hockey players meant that they sometimes um, became a little myopic about the opportunities within the sport generally. Um, and then from more from a global perspective, I, I think that, uh, as you both know, the, the media and sporting landscape in Western Australia is just so heavily dominated by one particular sport in winter. Um, the opportunity for us to break through um, with very limited financial resources into schools, into, um, into new opportunities was, um, was unfortunately, uh, uh, not as strong as it would be in a, in a sport like, uh, AFL, which, um, uh, certainly at the time, um, had the, the means and the funds to, um, to basically, uh, out battle and outgun any of the smaller sports. Is it as simple as that? If somebody came along with a, an endless supply of money for, let's say, hockey, we could turn that around? It is probably a bit of an oversimplification. I think if we look at a sport like rugby union, which again, similar, similar to hockey up until the last couple of years hasn't had that, um, that, that focus, that commercial opportunity in WA. Um, someone like Andrew Forrest, uh, Twiggy Forrest comes along and, and gives a heap of money to the sport. And they haven't probably seen the participation numbers grow as they would have liked. Um, so it, it is probably an oversimplification to suggest that it is only about money. However, when you look at the invested interest of the media um, here, where you know our, our main newspaper also has a, a, a stakeholder um, interest, a commercial interest in making sure that um, that AFL dominates the, the headlines too, it does make it a little more difficult. However, I think that what hockey always had and always will have is passionate people on the ground floor. Um, working within, as you said, that hockey family um, as volunteers to uh, to drive new participants to the sport, and that that's something that, um, in some respects, uh, COVID has shown uh, AFL to struggle with. I think that they've for so long got away with the fact that they could pay people to uh, to develop uh, the sport at a grassroots level. Hockey never faced that challenge as strongly with COVID. It was the first sport in WA to bounce back from uh, from COVID, and um, I think that was on a large part due to the fact that volunteers at clubs can be a little bit more malleable um, and they're certainly more passionate than, uh, than an employee from a state sporting organisation. Ryan, you, you're, you're essentially in your position, I guess, charged with inverted commas, growing the game and uh, through participation, essentially. So how much of a percentage of this idea of growing the game comes from the bottom end of getting people to play the game versus investing money at the top end to try and generate public interest there to grow the game? That's a great question, John. For me, I think that that splits probably at least 90%, 90%. So grassroots sport, particularly in Australia, um, relies very heavily on the fact that uh, that it's uh, a a bottom-up funded sport. Putting money in the top can help to shape strategies, and um, and certainly again, uh, it's been shown that there is a um, a modicum of an uptick in participation come Olympics and Commonwealth Games. But for the most part, the sport will always be um, in terms of participation driven by the the club landscape. 
I thought we had another question coming from. So, what what does successful look like in in terms of numbers of growth? What were you aiming for? To, you know, to take it from sixty thousand to seventy thousand participants locally within a time frame. What what sort of numbers are we talking about? When you look at let's, you just look at those traditional club numbers, so you know the eleven, the B eleven, or at least those registered to a particular club, which is then affiliated to Hockey WA and then affiliated to Hockey Australia. Um, we were operating basically on about thirty thousand across the state, and anywhere in the vicinity for any sport um, would be a five percent five percent increase year and year would be fantastic. But I think sometimes just looking at increase. Uh, this is one of our key elements, which is that the sport has an extremely low churn rate. What that means is that when someone joins hockey, they have more of a tendency to stick with that sport and become a lifelong committed member of that sport than they would in other sports. They're, they're, part of that is due to the fact that uh, it is a cradle-to-grave sport. You can, you can pick up a, a hockey stick at two or three and you can still be playing at 90 if, uh, if the body allows. Not all sports have that opportunity. But I think, um, in particular, that churn rate in Australia has been very good. So as much as um, you know, our, our new participant rate wasn't as strong as we would have liked across those three years, um, the fact that our churn rate was uh, even further reduced was always a, uh, a key win in the department guide. Yeah, I think that's that's something we we certainly get. It's, it's hard to get rid of some people sometimes from the clubs. And I'm looking at I'm looking at John now. Well, I'm, I'm also interested in, uh, Ryan, the idea that at, um, growth, perpetual growth is, is a, a, doesn't happen. Yeah. What, yeah. So, what is the ceiling? Well, not so much what is the ceiling, but at what point does it sort of change from, uh, encouraging participation to maintaining participation? Is there some sort of line there that you've got to be wary of? I think just generally in sports development, probably not, John. I think that, um, that when, when you look at traditional competition, then absolutely there is a cap. Um, you know, when, when you're running leagues or when you're running teams, you only have so many facilities that you can be using. But um, as, as I was discussing uh, with, with uh, you and Matt before, with facilities being such an important focus of hockey in Australia where those artificial turfs um, are coming in, the ability to... Um, to utilise those year round probably lessens uh, the, the concern about participation numbers going so gangbusters you don't have the facilities or resources to look after it. I think actually, if anything, the, um, the, 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 big, the big cap across all sports that we need to be worried about is the volunteer burden that now sits across Australian sport. Um, it is such a fine balance between professionalising that grassroots um, side of things um, and disempowering volunteers to the point where they forget what it means to be a volunteer. And then something like COVID hits um, and uh, and all these people lose their jobs within sport or, you know, vice versa. It, 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 the volunteer burden is something that Australian sport certainly needs to take very seriously. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think it's, glo- it's global, isn't it? It's, it, was, yeah. it certainly is in hockey. But I was having this conversation with someone a couple of nights ago I said it before on the pod, you go back to the old club newsletters from the 50s and 60s and exactly the same things are being written about. More people need to stand up and volunteer. It's the same people doing it all the time. Um, you know, 70 years on, the, the story's always been the same there. 
but I think there's yeah. um, there, there's there's a lot of other excuses as to why you can't get in help nowadays. I think one of the, the, the probably the more modern concerns in volunteerism is the red tape that surrounds it. So, you know, if you, you just take, for example, something like working with children, which no doubt a majority of people playing, administering, volunteering in hockey absolutely take seriously. But ensuring that that red tape doesn't become so overly burdensome that, uh, you know, a parent just throws up their hands and says, listen, I'd love to volunteer, but I don't have the opportunity to go get my working with children card to then fill out 10 forms um, and then to, you know, to, to make sure that I'm attending these three child safeguarding sessions across a, a weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that those are the pieces that we just need to be really conscious of. And that, that goes across all sports, Matt. That's not just hockey. I just think that in hockey, um, given the the reliance on volunteers is maybe more than so in some sports, it's about just streamlining that wherever possible. So that's where Hockey Australia, Hockey WA, the other um, member associations play such a key, key, key role in making sure they can streamline those processes. Well, now that you stepped away from hockey and sort of looking back at it, back at it what do you think some of the, the realities and some of the challenges are for the, the sport going forward, both locally and, and nation, nationally and internationally? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, you, you, thankfully, um, you've given me the heads up. You're going to ask this one, Matt. So I, I did manage to, uh, to write down a few points. Um, for me, it, it really came down to, to three or four um, very clear, specific challenges that the sport faces. Firstly, is the visibility. Um, I think that, uh, and I take, for example, the, the sport that I've just moved to, football, which it doesn't necessarily have um, a heap more um, members within uh, within WA, but what it does have is the visibility based on the fact that um, you know you see a six-year-old kid walking down the street wearing a, a Manchester United shirt. Um, he probably has never seen Manchester United plays, and it's one AM here in Perth with the games are on. Yeah, but uh, but for him wearing that shirt is important because it means that he's part of a global brand, and uh, certainly for Manchester United, it's a pretty key financial piece. I think for hockey, the opportunity for for them to be a little bit more nimble and exploring those alternate um, visibility options, whether it's you know, something like live streaming. Live streaming is becoming more and more um, accessible across all levels of the sport. Yeah. Um, so getting that message out there so people don't feel so uncomfortable when first faced with the prospect of playing hockey or watching hockey if they haven't done so before. I think that what we, we initially encountered within schools was a reticence to run hockey based on the fact that A, the teachers didn't know the rules, and B, they thought it was dangerous. So for us, that, that education came down to solving those two key issues. I then, I then look at some... Sorry, John, I'll cut you off there. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just having a laugh because just quietly, mate... Hockey is dangerous. <laughs> Just between you and I, sticks and missiles. The missiles and yeah, it, it's a dangerous sport, and I get it. But it's not as dangerous as people think. I, I, I think it's um, it's all about controlling uh, the reputation yep. of the sport. So yep. um, danger uh, is not actually a bad thing when it comes to sport promotion. Uh, the reason why a, a, a sport like the NFL. Uh, has such such great viewership. People like the idea that there is there is something on the line in terms of the physicality of the sport. But I then I, I come to I come to something like facilities with hockey, uh, and I, I think that um, 
whilst clearly the product is much better on artificial turf, there just has to be a balance between artificial turf and their fairly significant costs involved in maintaining and, and replacing them with making sure the sport doesn't become too inaccessible in terms of, uh, in terms of costs. So at the moment, the, the sport probably is edging towards that line where it wouldn't want to get too much more expensive for the average mum and dad, um, particularly for a sport that uh, they may not know. So that, yeah. that for me was, uh, was another challenge and certainly the, uh, the sport will continue to face that challenge. I think that, that your club, for example, has done such a great job. They've, they've got their artificial turf, which supports the opportunity for you know, money coming in over the bar. You've got um, social summer competitions going on, but you've still got access to your winter fields so that your support of those kids um, in those, those lower grades can still go ahead. Yeah, and then finally for me, and without, um, without, you know, without throwing our uh, illustrious FIH under the bus, it's, it's making sure that things like Pro League don't completely um, bankrupt the sport because it's not it's not cheap for those national associations to enter those types of things. The money's only coming from one spot. It's coming from the bottom. So I need to be very careful about how that money is spent. I think those points you make about, um, you know, the artificial turf side of things, you know, international hockey and really top-class level hockey should always be played on AstroTurf. I wouldn't, uh, apart from maybe some, uh, you know, charity event be throwing the, the best hockey players in the world on grass necessarily but it's it should be an important part of the the grassroots foundation especially for clubs where you can have saturday afternoons is hockey day and there's five or six games going on on the grass or whatever it is for or how many fields you've got and and to to help that community sort of gel and evolve together as opposed to everybody always playing all over the place yeah couldn't couldn't agree more and i I mean i I avoided, um, actively avoided picking up a hockey stick in my three years there. I thought, um, mate, they don't make was, them, uh, they don't make them big enough for you. No, that, that's why I uh, always said I'd just have to put on the goalkeeping gear, mate. I, I think, um, I think that would have been much, much better, uh, much better suited to my physique and to my, um, to my fitness level, to be fair. But, now, um, now, top of a goalkeeper's helmet on you, that would probably clear the crossbar, wouldn't it? Yeah, no doubt it would. No. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I don't know if I could ever uh, come to grips with the smell of uh, goalkeeping. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the big killer for me. But what I, what I saw in terms of skill development was, um, and again, just you know, looking at our regional associations, who for the most part didn't have access to um, you know, perfect artificial turf, is that often those skills that those kids were um, were learning, you know, those formative years, six to twelve, for example, on grass. And even that sometimes is a stretch for our regional associations. Often more, more times it's just dirt. Yeah. But um, it does give them a degree of versatility when they then start to show the aptitude and they can go on to um, bigger and better things. They've learnt from a position where you know, the ball's bobbling over, you know, blades of grass or bobbling over, you know, um, a root in the ground or whatever it is. Like th- those types of skills um, are pretty important for a, for a kid learning any type of sport. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. And all I thought was I haven't had the root in the ground for ages. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that does wonders to the tone of this interview, doesn't it? But, <laughs> but getting back to, to your point there, if uh, over the years I've seen where people who 
grew up playing on grass hockey adapt very, very quickly to playing on turf. There's slightly different ways you go about it, but they adapt really quickly. But it's nowhere near as easy for players coming back the other way. They find it a real challenge. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, I could, I could absolutely, I can absolutely appreciate why, as a uh, as a senior player, you want to play on artificial turf. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I myself dabble in, in cricket in summer, and I absolutely love to play on you know perfect pitches. Not that it helps my average at all, but <laughs> at least at least it helps my confidence in thinking that I'm a decent cricket player. So I understand that piece, but. I think for me, it's just about making sure that the financial ramifications of having a turf don't outweigh the significance for, for senior players to play on. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I think it's been a great chat, Ryan. Before we let you go, we've got to ask you, though, bring back the bully. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think... Um, Christmas card list. I, yeah, again, and I, 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 gents, I, I don't want to blow, uh, blow your ties up too much, but, um, my, my time in hockey as a, as a relative outsider, uh, has had its opinions and, uh, and, and thoughts formed by listening to yourself, um, which is not always necessarily the best thing. I, I understand, <laughs> but, um, certainly when it, when it comes to the bully, I, I could think of nothing better. I, I think that, Sport development requires unique pieces within a sport, and what's more unique than uh, than, than two players uh, banging sticks together to uh, to try and win a ball on the ground? I, I love the idea. I, I, and I get the people the people that say, "Oh, yeah, but bullies a bit of a dud term in this day and age." But I think we can take the we can liberate the word, you know, and and make it our own, and and it could even be used in promotional stuff for government. Ads and things, you know. The only place for a bully is on the hockey field or whatever you want to do. There's, there's room for it. Mate, if you, if you haven't copyrighted that one yet, I, I'm, I might have to. I think that's got some legs there. <laughs> might just have to write that down just a sec. Well, Ryan, we really do wish you the best in your new role with, um, uh, you know, that, that minority sport, uh, the round ball game. Is and, that the one where they fall over? And we, and we hope you do two or three years there, skip on, do another two, three years at AFL, and then come back to the sport when you've, you've, um, got a bit of knowledge from, from other areas and, I don't know, maybe CEO at Hockey WA one day. Well, I heard of, there's a place at, uh, Fremantle for a men's vice president. Well, there you <laughs> Is that still on? I think, uh, <laughs> I think the, the the biggest thing that the sport can take out of is they're coming in. I, uh, I I I didn't really enjoy watching it too much, but after three years, I, I couldn't think of a better sport. It's uh, it's exciting, it's fast paced. It's played by great people. Um, I, I think hockey is hockey has uh, got a very bright future ahead of it. That's a perfect place to end oh, it. Great stuff, thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it, Jed. Thank you. Hello, I'm Nick Irvin, and you are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And you are listening to The Reverse Stick. We've just had our feature interview, Ryan Lennigan. Hope you enjoyed that. I did. It's a good chat. Yeah, I know. I, th- I, I think there's a lot of value to take out of that for you, dear listener. I enjoyed it. Well, I did get the, warm, the main thing. warm, fuzzy feeling when he started talking about, you know, well, hockey players have great pride and hockey uh, just puffed well. I'm going, to, I'm going to struggle getting out in the driveway, though, mate. Yeah. Those tyres have been pumped up so much. Oh, you know? yes. You've got stones and everything anywhere. Bang! You just go like that. Uh, thanks a lot, Ryan, for joining us. It was, uh, it was a great chat, mate. We'll be speaking to you again soon, hopefully.
Do you want to go to an exciting uh, draw? We're going to where we're going to go first, John, is uh, A to Z of hockey that's launched this week on on Twitter. I said it was going to happen last week. One week later, on our very next podcast, it's already happening. We are three days worth of votes in so far. Uh, I was impressed actually with the numbers voting. So, all right, we'll start. I dispute those numbers. Why? I, I think you've been rigging this competition. Well, I, you know, if you how got, did that number go up so quickly? Well, I've got, I've got, I've fake, got, fake voting. No, I've got twenty uh, Twitter accounts. You know, John, that's what I use to make me feel good about myself. Well, you, you got the twenty that the public knows about. So uh, today's uh, day three. We're on. We're on to a C. You decide on which C makes it into the ultimate list of all things hockey. Today's options are Rick Charlesworth, Champions Trophy, and Dean Chand. Um, you've got six days left to vote when we're recording Friday afternoon, the 27th. Um, B, that's still up. That's up for another five days left. Uh, that's backboard, a bully or backstick. What's leading there at the moment, John? A bully. Bully is, of course, 42.4% of the vote. Uh, uh, day one votes. We've got four days left on that. The letter A, Luciana Imar, artificial turf or Alison Annan, 95 votes on there so far. Do get on and vote yourself, guys. Uh, Artificial Turf in the lead at 44.2%. So hopefully we can build all this together, so we'll give you more of those next week. That that could change when the uh, postals come in. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I did post it out on the Push Past Pundits Twitter feed, at Push Past Pundits, for the Indian supporters to get behind Dada, Dian Chand. You're not reading this election by any way, that's a totally separate account, mate. That's got nothing to do with what happens with the reverse stick. Of course it, it not. May, it may sometimes repost, retweet things from the reverse stick, but very much a separate entity. <laughs> okay, very much. Moving on. Um, so, A to Z Hockey, yeah, please get behind that, share it, do, like it, do. retweet. We would appreciate that. Tell you what else we'd you don't appreciate. Have to register or anything, you just vote. Yeah, that's it. You don't even have to like it. Do like it, though. Seriously, what is wrong with you people? Right, here we go. <laughs> this is like my biggest bugbear. We've had 11 likes on the post, right? Nine retweets, 95 votes. If you're there voting, just like the post as well. Retweet the post. We, we like, just like it a bit. We want, we want your opinion, but we also want you to work a little bit for it and help, help us out. Yeah, I need some validation from strangers, please. <laughs> You're not getting any from me. <laughs> um, yeah, go and do that. A to Z of hockey. Like I said, um, if uh, you're going to support us with that, you can also support us in a couple of other ways, John. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick and give us some of your hard-earned to support our uh, uh, hockey podcast endeavours. You can also go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the reverse stick if the Patreon subscription is a, a little bit daunting for you but you do get lots of extra content there on the patreon and the occasional draw and we've got a draw coming up right now john and i think this you, is, this uh, is f- you like the indian pale ale, ale, ale lager coffee don't you um, indian pale ale lager coffee it's it's an american pale ale at the moment right, okay. yeah um where was i so you t-shirt yes shush now so first we've got a patreon uh, competition coming up do you want to give it a uh, round of applause um, okay, which button do I press? That's the musical thing. That looks like, and then you press this one here. So, uh, what one am I after? I'll be there by the this time one. you press it. <laughs> Not that one. 
That's all right. I got it. I got it. Kevin, Kevin. It's competition time here at the Reverse Stick. Well, not really a competition. It's another draw, John, and it's a Patreon exclusive draw for one of our brand new Give It a Whack special limited edition T-shirts. Now these are only available uh, to purchase for about another seven days from when you get this podcast. You've got to go to merchtea.com forward slash TRS2020. That's merch as in merchandise with the letter T.com forward slash TRS2020. Some bargains there, John, ranging from, I think, £15 up to £17. Uh, all sorts of beautiful colours, different yeah. styles, different cuts. Uh, but we've got one of those T-shirts up for grabs right now for one of our Patreon subscribers. And we're going to do the draw now. And then we'll do that. And then I'll give you news on how you can win one at home if you're not a Patreon subscriber. Okay, so how are we doing the draw? So we're doing the draw like this, John. I've got written uh, a load of numbers on a sheet there. I want you to turn that piece of paper around a few times and I'm going to close my eyes. Okay. So and then I can just guide. You can, the you pen can put it wherever. wherever. No, you're not guiding the pen on anything. I'm close my eyes. The pen is raised in the air okay, about a foot yeah, above yeah. where the okay, paper is. Go down. Okay. Yeah. So have you, have you put it in place? Because I can't see. You ready? Yeah. All right. Here yeah. we go. All right. What number have we got? I think it's there, isn't it? All right. That's, that's the number six. We're going to have to go to our list on the screen now and count down. One, two, three, four, five, six. Our winner is Jared Ivanovic. Oh, well in the Australian capital, capital territory here in Australia. Well done, Jared. We'll get in touch and get your sizing and uh, your preferred style and color of garment sorted out for you. There we go. Write well that done. down. So we're also going to do a social media uh, promotion as well with it this this week, John. So we will be asking you to retweet, like, post, follow, do all those sort of things you're supposed to do on social media campaigns. Where if you do all the things we tell you what you're supposed to do, you will go into the draw, and we'll let you know in a, less than a week's time if you are successful, and we'll get your details off of you as well. Huh? Competitions, promotions. What more can you want? And where do you have to go to do that? www facebook twitter, you can go you can go to any of our social media accounts on instagram facebook or twitter john all at the reverse stick and you'll find links on how to buy us a coffee you'll find links on how to support us on patreon and of course you will find links on where to buy one of these super exclusive give it a whack t-shirts once in a lifetime opportunity really that's it? it when it's gone it's gone mate that's that, that's that design gone in the bin you'll never be able to see, uh, to purchase that again so if you like to be one of the cool kids part of the hashtag glowhopo gang they make you more desirable indeed and i believe tansy's got an orange one already um that's... you know dark nights over there very very handy in the uk it will be he can wear it to work and won't have to worry with the normal Workers well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He just wear that. And apparently he's listening whilst he's working. He's posted a few things recently. He's got some shit guide um, <laughs> things on the screen. And then he's got a bit of shit on his podcast player as well. Whoops. That's great. That's You're great. listening to the reverse stick to climb on the podcast. And relax. Which button do I need to press to get rid of that? You just go back on that one. Oh, there, okay. we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. Just, just perfect. Do that. Beautiful. A couple of things out of Ireland this week uh, some good news let me find the post here on hook hockey I like this John this is the uh, dare to believe campaign Anna O'Flanagan Rasheen Upton Nikki Daly Shirley McKay Emma Buckley 
friend of the show, and Shane O'Donoghue are among 25 athlete ambassadors for Sport Ireland's Dare to Believe, which aims to bring Olympic stars into the classroom. Anna O'Flanagan, Rasheen Upton, and we're going to have to go through that list again. The brainchild of t- uh, 2008 Olympian Rasheen McGettigan. The campaign is now in its second year with O'Donoghue playing a part in the first edition, bringing the Olympics into the classroom for over 5,000 children nationwide. School activation program championed and supported by the Olympic Federation of Ireland Athletes Commission will expand significantly in 2021 with 16 new ambassadors. Run in association with FBD, this will teach primary school students about Olympic values and Olympism. No, I had a nasty case of that once. <laughs> through a curriculum that includes over 40 of the approved education methodologies with each ambassador delivering their personal stories. For O'Flanagan speaking at the launch of the program's expansion, she cannot wait to share her story. I never had the op- that opportunity as a kid sitting in a classroom and getting to meet someone. I thought of how it would have had have made my school year to have, have someone come in and tell me about their Olympic journey. I want to get every girl in a classroom to see us and aspire to achieve something, whether it's in sport or in other ways of life. As a young girl growing up, my role models for team sport were all male. That's not because they didn't exist. I just didn't have access to them. So this looks good. Great programme, hey? Yeah, good idea. And some, something similar happened uh, has been happening over over here in Australia for a while. Uh, Jake Wetton was doing something with hockey fairly recently, wasn't he, with a, a regional community, community in uh, in Queensland. Um, so that's good news out of Ireland. The bad news out of Ireland is that they've released the Hockey Ireland <laughs> financials <laughs> <laughs> this week. And, uh, oh, didn't that go down well? Well, the, the big issue is there's a massive, massive hole in their financials. Why? Because of hosting FIH tournaments. Why? Because they don't get any uh, income um, revenue from the broadcast deals. That goes straight to the FIH. Yep. This is one of the one of the big issues, isn't it? The, <laughs> that's uh, so one of the biggest crowds they've had for hockey there in Ireland, uh, certainly in, in in modern times, and you can't make a buck out of it. Wow. Uh, not a very good situation, is it? Because it's replicated. It wouldn't, it's not just in Ireland, mate. No. And it's a, it's a problem that we have as a sport that we've got to look, look at ways to overcome how this can happen. And to, I don't know. Do they give away 20,000 free tickets or something? And no. It's just, it, yeah. It's no, just it's, a sad situation ex- for the sport to be in. It's expensive to, to put tournaments together. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's but that, that's happening constantly with FIH. So it's it's an area of the game that has to be cleared up and made more equitable from all parties. And certainly the idea that it has to be far more financial transparency from the FIH and these matters. I think you can go to uh, Findo Stephen Findlater's feed on at Hook Hockey on Twitter uh, to get some of. Yeah, Findo's feelings on that. Um, at, the, at the top of that, I don't know what's happened. My Twitter's gone on to being in Finnish at the moment, which is quite strange. It says, Twitit, Twitit, Javastauset, Media, Tikakakaset. But point eight, which is the one which is at the top of his page, says eight. Anyway, they are the bits I took from the AGM, although I did miss the guts of an hour, distracted putting to bed two nippers under three so if there was anything juicy in there let me know <laughs> do get in touch with Finder. anything juicy in there he missed out yeah I'm, no, I bet there would have been there's been a few ructions about that and we don't know enough we'll leave it there shall we yeah 
Have we said enough? Money, money, money. No, we're not finished yet. I haven't got a cash register sound yet. I've got it. No, I think I've got it on this one. Anyway, uh, news out of Europe, 26th of November. Hamburger to host the joint Euro Indoor Championships in 2022. Never before in the 45-year history of the European Championships has an event been held over five days, and it will be the first time since 75 that the Hanseatic City will be the venue. The event location will be the Sporthalle Hamburg. Good to see both tournaments on there at the same time. Over a week should be a super big event. They love their indoor hockey there in Germany, don't they, John? Oh, they do. It's good. So uh, the women's teams will include Netherlands, Austria, Russia, Czech Republic, Turkey, Ukraine, and the title defender, Belarus, and the host, Germany. The men's event, Belgium, Netherlands, Austria, Russia, Switzerland, Czech Republic, Belarus, and the German team that won the title in right. Berlin in January you this year. That would be fairly action-packed event, man. It would indeed. I did talk briefly about Asia hockey before. I don't know if I've still got the post up here now. Probably haven't. But they've got their calendar out. Everything's looking uh, set. Here we go. I've got the calendar here, John. Play some music, sing a song, or do something. Will I just uh, pull that up? Are you not prepared? No, it's just slow. Uh, January to June, there's, uh, they've, they've got Pro League listed. Men's Asian Champions Trophy in Dhaka, Bangladesh, 11th to the 19th of March. Women's Asian Champion Trophy, 31st of March to April the 7th. Women's Junior Asia Cup, uh, 11th to the 17th of April. Oh, FIH Congress, New Delhi, India, 19th to the 23rd of May. Let's see if that happens. Asian Asian Indoor and Martial Arts Games. That's uh, indoor hockey there. Not a combination of. Bangkok towards the end of May. Men's and Women's Indoor Asia Cups in Bangkok from beginning of June. Aslan Shah, uh, TBC for June. And Men's Junior Asia Cup at the start of July. That is a way to get the kiddies in though, isn't it? What's that? Martial Arts Indoor Hockey Hybrid. You know, it'd be like that Mortal Kombat game. Well, we did, isn't there a... Didn't South Pass and, and also... Uh, Euro hockey post a an African rap video where someone's just been uh, mugged by somebody with a hockey, hockey stick. I mean, you're going to get mugged if you're riding a bike down the street reading a newspaper. Prepare to be mugged. Um, I'm not sure it's the best way to use a hockey stick. Um, I, you know, hardly gave it a whack to be honest, John. I would I would suggest if you're walking around near the Fremantle Hockey Club, it's probably a good idea to be carrying. Oh, he kind of just kind of pushed it at the bloke, you know. And you know, you know what you've got to do, don't you? <laughs> Did you? Was that entire build-up just to, so you could play this? Some people want to hear it. If ever you're in trouble, in heaven, no need to scream and shout. Don't forget, you can grab your Give It A Whack t-shirts at merchtea.com forward slash TRS2020. Well, when can people buy the... Uh, Do it, because we've got to... We, we have to sell 10 to make sure that t-shirts get sold, so please go and buy one. Um, what, what, um, when's the album coming out? Is that going to be released? Is it's, coming out, it's, it's coming out soon. There's, um, th- there was one that I actually... Where mi- can we download that from? I missed off the album, which uh, I think you probably quite like, and this is from the latest advertising campaign. Oh, okay. John, for um, the aforementioned. Is this the soundtrack to your ad yeah. on 
to give it a whack T-shirt. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I find it, John? No, you know, so I played it. See, told you. Playing it constantly on the phone, trying to get the numbers up Clearly on it. not organised. Yeah, the problem is I'm on the Push Past Pundit's Twitter feed on the <laughs> phone. It's, oh, that's odd. Somebody must have hacked me and got me into that one somehow. Because that's not yours, is it? It's odd. Uh, what's going on podcast-wise? My new the Hockey Family podcast is, is out. It's uh, a two-hour extravaganza of all things hockey with a, a very much an English focus there from Taff and Fraser and... Uh, guests. Guests. Guest co-presenters. Um so good that that's out there. There's a new one out from Tyron um, Hockey, the podcast. And I think number eight of the series on the New York Islanders Hockey Club from Teo at Half Court Press. That's out. And the Beyond Thinking podcast, is that the one? Uh, with uh, Will and Elliot. There's the latest one of those out with Brett Holland. So well, lots. You know what I'm waiting for in the podcast world What's next that? week? The, the new FIH one? Hockey the Pod's due out, isn't it? Is it? No, they're not hockey. Are they Hockey the Pod? They're not devotees anymore anyway. It's for hockey lovers, John. Not for is hockey it? devotees. I, know, I didn't oh, notice that. That would have been changed. It's a bit like us because we're from hockey lovers, for hockey lovers, aren't we? Or are we for hockey lovers, from hockey lovers? I can't remember. We dropped that a while ago. We're one or the other. I was a bit, per- I was a bit perturbed that as soon as I launched the, uh, the A to Z of hockey poll... I don't know, 24, 36 hours later, the FIH have got to get in on the act and launch their best goal of the you're, year you're poll or something. Mate. You're a trendsetter. Um, Leading the pack. Oh, This is another one for the that's album. That's the volume that deserves to be played. Come on, turn it back up. This is the funky music for the the, uh, the Gap-style T-shirt advert, which is out there on social media at the moment. Give it a whack. You have trouble coming whoop, through whoop. customs, don't you? Should have popped the air horn on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stop it, shall I? You leave the air horn. There we go. Just that. trying to get the kids involved, John. Hashtag uh-huh. po. Um Quick update from India on Mr. Dr. Batra. I'm actually reading the report here that um, refers to Narinda Batra as Mr. Narinda Batra. Mm-hmm. Factually correct. Uh, this is from newslivenation.in. Uh, Aslam Shere Khan helped India win the gold medal in 1975 World Cup. That's the guy who's in the photo at the top. Olympian Aslam Shere Khan, aforementioned on this podcast, has sought the intervention of Sports Activities Minister Kiran Rijiju, 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 after claiming that his ministry is amending the sports code in a method that may make officers maintain posts which are declared unconstitutional and illegal by the Honourable High Court. Now, we covered all of this, John. Uh, this is the latest... Um, Claims and action trying to be taken from Khan. Khan wrote, other NSFs, NSFs, National Sporting Federations, like Tennis and Coco, have also been told to demit office due to the creation of such posts like Life Member and Life President. Now I've been told that the MOYS is amending its sports code in order to make Mr. Narendra Batra eligible to hold such posts which are already declared unconstitutional and illegal by the Honourable I Court. I? I Court. He went on to hunt Rijiju's intervention within the subject. I request your good office to intervene in this matter so that no such illegalities are committed in order to favour one person like Mr. Narendra Batra. The next date of the matter is on the 28th of November 2020. Keep your posted. What do you reckon? Uh, another delay because I'm too busy? Oh, who knows? This could run on and on and on. You know, us to get it resolved before, say, the Congress. 
And that's an interesting point. That that must be seriously under threat now, you'd think, given that we're in November um, and things aren't looking particularly good. Not for great in India to be held. still, no. So, uh, let, you know, it would be a real pain probably for it to be moved at this stage, given that a lot of stuff would have been organised for the last one to have gone ahead when it did, and then all that would have just been put on hold until May, was it? Well, how long, how long, how long do you potentially go on with it then? Or do you bite the bullet and go, right, we're going online with it then? That's regardless, rain, rain, hail or shine, it's going to happen on those dates and it's either going to be in this place. I can't imagine it's going to be moved anywhere else that it's going to have any greater convenience if you're looking at bringing people together from 170 countries. Yeah, it's going to be proved, it could prove to be very, very difficult, but I don't think we've got to the point of no return yet with it. No. Wait and see how it plays out. I mean, I would like to think that it does go ahead because that means things are getting better in India and Jaspreet might be able to get outside. Oh, well, I actually I popped into the post office yesterday because I tried, I tried to send a parcel over to yeah. Jazz recently and they said, sorry, we're not accepting anything. They're now, yesterday, they were ac- accepting oh, parcels. So that's, that, uh, that might be a good sign. That's good. So if it works out. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're, as, as always, we're with you folks if you've got that frustration of not being able to get out on the field or... Um, it's all a little bit sticky where you are at the moment. We do really sympathise, empathise, okay. and um, hopefully you'll be in a better position Should pretty we soon. Let's finish on a happy note, though. Go on. Let's finish on a happy La! note. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty happy, happy note. note. It's certainly much happier than D minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, have a listen to this, Matt. Oh, press the play button. And one of the fine kanten van hockey kijken is meeluisteren naar de scheidsrechters. Belgium, Germany, men's clash, recent Pro League games. And it's involving... Lorraine Dalforge, the female umpire. And we'll just, we'll just grab There's a bit game. of action in the corner of the field. Uh, we've got five or five players of, around the ball, and Belgium are trying a to ball, take it, take it out of the up. corner. Um, and there's a fair bit of congestion there. The ball pops up. Off, uh, we're using 3D skills from the Belgian player, and it goes on to the knee of um, the, um, the sorry, the GB. Um, did I say Germany before? Yeah. You can get mixed up with these things, can't you, John? You can. Um, into the GB knee, the 25 there, and the response from the umpire to the GB player requesting the dangerous blow is. Oh. It's not dangerous. Come on, you're a man. It's not dangerous. Come on, you're a man. Yeah. Equally amazing commentary there on the field from the umpire. What I found interesting is if it had been a male umpire who said, you know, go on, toughen up, princess, it wasn't dangerous. Yeah. Which is essentially the same sort of... Well, does the danger level matter whether you're a male or a female? We've watched this back a few times, and I'm of the opinion is that the ball was raised up into the opposition player at a level... Knee height. Knee height. Well, I think it hits him a bit higher than the knee. Yeah. But either way, it's it's not going to hurt them or do anything like that. I think that's fair enough. But it's still a ball that's raised into the higher than the unlayable level. And yeah. I thought it's above shin pad. It's above shin pad height, and one of those players surely has got a right to be able to try and play that ball. Well, they they can't unless they make it dangerous. So, that by definition, hasn't that player put oh, yeah. it into a dangerous situation? So I thought situation. the original call was wrong. And we can, I don't know that the vision we're seeing is is the best or the the clip we're watching. I don't think that really matters. What matters is, is the comment there, though. Uh, yeah. Come on, you're a man. 
Does that mean that would be dangerous for a woman? Precisely. It's an interesting point of view to take on that. Yeah, maybe that... I don't think she actually... That's not the intention of what she's saying. I think she's saying toughen up princess. But if she says that, she'd probably get in more trouble. But as English is a second language there as well, communicating to first language, Brit, well... There's some Scots on there as well, so not necessarily yeah. first language, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Um, just some, yeah, it's interesting. It's funny. I thought it was funny. Probably get panned for thinking that was funny. Yeah. Did you think it was funny? Do umpires think it was funny? Uh, the players mind. I don't, I don't actually think it's appropriate for, for her to be saying that in that situation. Um, once again, in the club rooms afterwards, having a joke around. Um, but what, what is it? It's, Questioning masculinity. Well, is the umpire commenting in that such a way, right? Oh, but but, but this happens in men's hockey, but doesn't happen in in women's hockey. So come on, you know, you know, I'm not going to blow it like I'd blow a women's. Hang on, is there a difference? That part of it, I'm not sure about. But I'm not. I don't think she meant that. But that it can appear that that's the that's the insinuation of that. Oh, look, and if you if you're looking to be upset, then you could certainly find that within there. But you know, you know. Um, yeah, would have been best not said. Yeah, but this um, this this freeze frame does make that English player's face look. It's a, bel- it's a Belgian player. Yeah. And he, he looks, looks like Frankenstein. He looks like Frankenstein. Does. And, uh, oh, oh, can't say that, can I? Oh my god. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Not for very much longer, though, because you're going to say something. Do check going. out my new app, the Frankenstein Face app, available <laughs> soon on Android and Apple. <laughs> Thanks a lot, folks. I hope you enjoyed Ryan. It was interesting hearing his thoughts. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed as well, uh, as well, Ryan. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks, mate. You know the footy show out as well, Ryan. Get on and listen to that. Um, and everybody should listen to the not the footy show. Excellent podcast. It is a great podcast. Thank you. One great host on there. One great host. You're correct. You Thanks work lot, out folks. which one it is. Enjoy the rest of your hockey week, whatever that may entail. We'll be back next week, as we usually are, because we don't have a life. This is all we have to do. Come on, you're a man. Suffering now from Olympism for over 30 years. He's managing to cope with his condition and recently has decided to come out and speak more about this affliction that strikes one in every 350,000 Britons.